0: storm and the harvest. As we lead up to Easter, we'll, we'll get into to some Palm Sunday things and things like that in the weeks ahead. But the storm and the harvest and the idea is we're, we're going to look at life storms today and, and, and the storms that come through life. And I'll tell you, if you're sitting on the front couple of rows, I have a cough drop in my mouth, so you are not safe. It could come out at any moment, right? You just, Tim, you just catch it and throw it back, buddy. All right, so we're good. All right, I'll shoot that way. Um, but but, but how, how there's always a harvest after the storm. There's always something God's trying to do in our life. There's always a, a place God is trying to get us to. And sometimes it's, it's through a storm that we would get there. I would submit to you today that, that, that you, are, you, have, you are on purpose, you have a destiny in your life, and the enemy hates that. The enemy hates the fact that you, you are on purpose, that you do have a destiny, and that you are going somewhere, and that God has plans for your life. And so when we think about the storm and the harvest, we think about the harvest that comes after the storm, we'll focus on the storm today, and, and we'll we'll use Galatians 6, 9. Our main, our main text is going to be Mark chapter 4, but we'll look at Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. The NIV says, we'll reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. In other words, if you don't quit, you can't lose. And so let us not grow weary while doing good. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. So if you go to Mark chapter 4, and again, all this is on our Bible app. If you don't have your Bible with you today, you can follow along on the screen. Mark chapter 4, normally I would not read the whole passage, but I feel like I have time to do that today. Mark 4, 35 through 41, and we get this really, really cool story that we're going to pull some things from today about life storms. We'll start in verse 35 of the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep, on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your word and thank you that it's a change agent. Change our hearts so that we can change the community that you've placed us in. In Jesus name, amen. You ready? If hope you're taking notes. Number one, Jesus is always calling us to follow his purpose and to trust that he will lead us. So Mark four thirty-five. on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, we know that, that Jesus has been teaching. You know, he just got through teaching about a, a lamp on a stand and <clears throat> giving some great teaching and parables. And so there are multitudes there. There are people there. And the evening comes. The evening comes and he says, hey, guys, let's go. Get in the boat and let's go to the other side. Let me make this statement to you. Jesus is always wanting you to go somewhere new with him. He's always wanting to work with you in your spiritual journey. I made this statement a couple weeks ago. If you got saved two or three years ago and you are still in the same place today spiritually as you were then, you're missing out. It's not about just getting saved. It's not about just salvation. It's about sanctification. It's about walking out the journey with God. It's about the good, the Bad, the ugly, as long as he is involved in it. So Jesus says something illogical. It's evening. Hey, let's go to the other side. Logical thing, he says, hey, let's build a fire. Jesus, you do your fish thing. Let's cook some fish. And we'll stay right here and eat. And when the sun comes up tomorrow, where well, we can really see good, and when we can see what the weather's going to do, then we'll take off to the other side. But again, we don't serve a logical God. He is always doing illogical things to put us in illogical situations so he can teach us how to have faith. And so he says, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. So, so let's go. Why? Because there's a harvest on the side. We'll get to that next week. And Jesus is saying, let's go to the other side. And why? Jesus, don't you see those clouds looming out there? Why? It's getting dark, Jesus. Didn't you know that? Why? Because I've got somewhere to be. I've got somewhere to see. There's someone that needs to be set free because he's going to start a revival in his town. And we'll look, we'll look at that next week. But, and so they get in the boat and they, and they head out. But the idea of, of walking out and, and following his purpose and trusting that He will lead you. That word trust has been so important to me this, this this last week in in some things I'm going through in my own life of of trusting Him to take care of things outside of my control, trusting Him with with things that I can't control, trusting Him and following His purpose for my life, not being detoured from His purpose for my life. To do that, you have to believe your own purpose. To do that, you have to believe there's more than just this. There's more than just punching in and punching out. Look at this this next scripture that's coming up on the screen, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship. That word workmanship in the Greek is polarity, and it means poetry. In other words, you are his poem. Think about that for a second. The next time you feel really bad about yourself or you're having a bad hair day, go to the mirror and look in the mirror and say, God, I am your poem. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? it but that's what it, that's what it means right there. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God <clears throat> prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. There's some business we've got to take care of. Let's go, fellas. It's time to go. We're going somewhere. We're moving forward. And and we'll see they get caught up in this storm. And the storm is nothing about, you know, if you have a study Bible, the caption on, on the top of this story says, it says, Jesus calms the wind and the waves. If anybody has a study by a Bible about it that says that, you know what it should really say? Jesus calms the disciples. <laughs> right? Because we're going to see that, that that's what the story is, is all about. It's about the fear and the worry. And so, but, but the idea of knowing that you're on purpose, the idea of Jesus always calling you to move forward and go forward in your relationship with him. Number two. The storms of life will make you choose a boat. Write that down. If if you're not a note taker, do it anyway. Put it in your phone. Put it somewhere. The storms of life will make you choose a boat. I love boats. Matter of fact, I have been banned from boat shows. I am not allowed to go to boat shows. Now that does, I heard a whoa, That does not give you a right to ban your husband. Cause I have a boat. No, no, I'm. Ban- I, I love boats. I love going to boat shows. I mean, cause they'll let you borrow money you don't have. Two ninety nine for twenty eight years. You can have this boat, and man, you start rationalizing, don't you? And then you get get your spouse in on a baby. Look, we get look two ninety nine a month. Look. I tell you what, and then we get spiritual. We can fast one, one week a month. We don't have to eat one week. We can we fast And then we get spiritual about it. We'll fast food one week a month and we'll save that $2.99. And then we'll have a boat. And then we'll catch so many fish out of that boat that we won't have to spend any money at Publix the next week. <laughs> Trying to help some of y'all out. I love boats, I love all kinds of boats. Mark 4, 36 60, 37, now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and the other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. So so this idea of the storms of life will make you choose a boat. It, it, it points towards the, the, the boat. What boat am I going to choose? See, Because there's different kinds of boats, right? Let's just start with a simple floating device called a kayak. Right? Kayak. Kayak's cool. Kayak, kayak's fun on a calm day on the ocean. I mean, you hook into a tarp, and that could be a couple of hour thing. That's fun. Kayak's fun, you know, cruising around the flats or whatever, you know, kayaking. Kayak's fun sometimes because you're alone and you're by yourself, and that's, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. Um, but, but, but you got kayak, and then you would move up to a John boat. You might know what a John boat is. All right, good. So the first two services haven't been southernly cultured. A John boat is a aluminum boat. John boat. I, I bought my first John boat when I was 14. I had a yard business. <laughs> Cut grass. And saved up my money and bought this boat, and this boat was my life. Went to Central Hardware Anybody ever, ever old enough to remember Central Hardware? It was before Home Depot and Lowe's. It was like the D Store anyway. Maybe as a, a Memphis thing. Central Hardware bought the treated plywood, and then I bought the green AstroTurf grass, and I've... Anybody know what I'm talking about? And got that Elmer's glue thing. Made a platform all on the bottom of the boat. And my my grandfather had already passed away at the time. And he left me a trolling motor, a Sears and Roebuck trolling motor. And so I put that Joker on there. And my first vehicle was like a 1978 Bronco, right? And those things were huge, 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 massive. You could put eight people in there and not see each other for days, I had not hit my growth spurt when I started driving. I've shared that with you guys before. And so I had to put telephone books under the seat covers to see over the dash. And anyway, so, so we would take that John boat and shove it in the back of that Bronco. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with these old Broncos, but they had glass windows in the back. And you push a button and that glass window would roll up. We literally used that to hold the boat up. I mean, they don't make things like they used to. That glass never broke. And so we would skip school, we would take that thing and go fish. I was so proud of that boat. You go from a John boat to a center console, center console to a massive boat, whatever. There's different kinds of boats for different kinds of situations. Jason, what is your point? My point is: when you're going through a storm of life, you're gonna choose a boat. Look at this next scripture. Galatians six eight, which precedes six nine, which is where we base this, these two weeks off of. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So let's go back to the point: the storms of life will will make you choose a boat. And so, if if I had a massive stage and a big garage door, I promise you right now, I would have all different kinds of boats all over the stage. Like, I would have went to boat dealerships and said, Hey, you know, we'll give you some promotion, whatever. Can I borrow this boat that has three engines on it and this kayak and this skiff? And then I would, and I'd be crawling in and out of them right now talking about what this boat can do and how many horsepower this boat has and how beautiful this boat is. And, 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 and here's the point I'm trying to make. We are so tempted when we go through storms of life to, to, to jump ship and get in the wrong boat. I mentioned a kayak, and one of the things about a kayak is, is that you're isolated. You're isolated and you're very unprotected. And, 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 and when you're, when you're in a storm, that's not the greatest vessel to be in. And, but how the enemy loves to isolate us. And how, how he loves it. Or, or maybe you want to jump in the boat that's got the three engines that can get you away from that relationship as fast as you can go. Cause you know, if you can just get away and run, you'll be happy. You know the problem with that is? Wherever you go, there you are. Doesn't matter how quick you get there, you can't run from yourself. And so what What boat am I, am I, am I, am I going to jump ship on this relationship and, and get in the shiny boat, the new model? Whatever that is to you. The storms of life will make you choose a boat. Here, here's the point that I want to make is I want to be in the boat Jesus is in. I want to be in the boat Jesus is in. I want to be in the boat Jesus is in because I know no matter what happens, the outcome is in his hands. When I willfully... So to the flesh, I reap of corruption of the flesh when I willfully step out of that boat and into another boat, the enemy would love for me to get in. It's very interesting to me. The Bible says that other little boats set out with them, but you never hear about those boats again in the story. You know why? Because they turn back and oh, what a strategy of the enemy He always wants us to run back he always wants us to quit in the storm. He always wants us to turn. Think about Elijah. Elijah just won the greatest victory up until that point that, that in the Bible. He called down fire from heaven, and 450 witches and warlocks are burned up. And then he runs from a woman. Smart man. No, he he runs he. He, and you think about the enemy's strategy is always trying to get us to go back. Go backwards. Quit. Forget about it. But I'm telling you, when you're in the boat with Jesus, you have the assurance that no matter what, he's in control. No matter what, you know the outcome is going to be in his hands. That's the boat I want to be in. That's the boat that's built for any season. That's the boat that's built for any weather. That's the boat. That's built for any storm. Next thing. The storms of life can cause you to question if Jesus even cares. Wow. You, you watch this unfold. You watch this unfold. Now, these are his disciples. So the boat's filling up with the water. Right? But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Jesus is sleeping. The boat's going down. Now, we don't know how long they tried to bail water. We don't know how long they tried to keep the boat afloat on their own. We don't know how long they argued. I'm not waking him up. You wake him up. I'm not. You wake him up. I'm not. I am not waking him up. He's tired. He's been. I'm not. You shut up, Peter. I'm going to keep bailing water. We don't know how long this goes on, but we know Jesus is asleep. He's asleep at the, at the stern. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? One, one version, the NIV says, Teacher, do you not care we're drowning? Do you not care that we're drowning here? Do you, I mean, do you realize the, the situation? Do you do you really do you even care? And I would submit to you today that every any of us that have walked with the Lord for any amount of time, or maybe not even walked with the Lord, just lived on the face of this earth, have asked this question, God, do you care? Do you even care? Because if you cared, this wouldn't have happen. Or if you cared, this wouldn't happen. Do you even care? And the disciples are saying, do you not care? That we are do you do you not care that we're dying here? And so, so, so he he they wake him up. They wake him up because Zelach this effort to to try to save the ship from going down. Do you not care that we're perishing? Can I just tell you that he cares? And I'm gonna I'm gonna work through a couple passages right here to build our faith in his compassion towards us. And I want you to hear these Isaiah 54:10. Remember, all this is on the Bible app. If you're not taking notes for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Does he care? Yes, he cares. Second Corinthians one, three through four. Blessed be the God and the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulations and our storms. Why? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. One of the reasons that we go through storms in life, and some of us worse than others. I know people are going through storms right now, and I just look at them and say, God must really trust you because He said He wouldn't give us more than we could handle. But but one of the, what this says right here is one day we will be able to comfort others with the comfort that we have received. By staying in the boat with Jesus. Wounded healers. Wounded healers. And and, and this idea, Jesus, don't you even care? I love Matthew 9, 35, 38, where he's with his disciples. And, And the Bible says, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. For them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The Bible says that Jesus looked up on humanity. He looked up on our hurts. He looked up on our cares. He looked up on our dysfunction. He looked up on our sorrow. He looked up on our mourning. He looked up on our addiction. He looked up on humanity and saw humanity for what it was. And he was moved with compassion because he saw humanity as sheep scattered abroad like sheep without a shepherd. He cares. He was moved to compassion. The disciples asked the question, hey, Jesus, do you even care? Do you even care? And you say, wow, I thought I was the only one to ever ask a question like that. No, you're in good company. The disciples ask. And we, we live in a fallen world with some, with some, where crazy things happen that we don't understand. It's okay to ask, do you care? It's, it's okay to ask that question. As long as you know that inside of you there is a resounding Holy Spirit that says, yes, he cares. Yes, he's a God of love. Yes, he's a God of mercy. Yes, he's a God of compassion. And yes, you will make it to this storm. So so play this out we got to get to the other side because there's a harvest there's something for us to do over there and then you think about the storms of life they're going to move you they're going to move you into a place where they're going to make you they're going to make you choose a boat and then you move that into the fact of asking the question the storms of life when it causes ask the question Jesus do you care do you really even care and he does care And then that takes us to number 4 and I I'm not exaggerating this at all. I spent an hour and a half on trying just to figure out how to word point four. I know that may seem silly to some of you, but I, I care about what I share with you, and you know I, I just don't Google these messages and take them and write them down, and you know what. And so and I can show you my notes. Jesus owns the storm. No, 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 no. Jesus will never leave you in the storm, no, 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 no. Jesus. And I'm writing all these different things down. And I'm scratching them out, and I'm just like, Lord, what, what, wait, what, what? And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it came back to trust. That word, trust, that I can't let go of. That word, trust. And so I just wrote down, Jesus is in control of the storm. Boom. There you have it. I can't. I can't do anything about it. I got to be, I got to choose the boat that Jesus is in. I've got to focus and know that he, Jesus, is in control of the storm. And this goes back to the control issue. This goes back to, am I going through this storm because of something I did? Is it my fault? Am I going through this storm because of this? Am I going through this storm because of this? All those questions are irrelevant when you remember that Jesus is in control of the storm. You're his child. You're joint heirs. And he is in control of, of the storm. He is in control of the storm. So watch this, Mark four thirty nine. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And we love this part. Especially if we're going to a storm. Because we're like... Okay, Lord, I'm ready for this part. I didn't like, I didn't like, I didn't like the part where we were drowning. I didn't like that part. Uh, I did not like that part, at all That part was scary. I didn't like to wake you up. You know, waking Jesus up is just praying. I didn't like, I didn't like that part because I didn't even feel like praying because my heart's broken and I'm going through this storm. But now, I'm ready. Jesus, you just speak the word and all of this is going to go away. It doesn't work like that a lot of times. It's a process. The, the storm is a, Process, but you got to remember who is in control of the storm. You got to remember who 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 is who is actually able to calm the storm, because you you know we've we've talked about this, and even in my own life and some lives of some friends of mine. And I was reminded from a friend this week. You know, we go through storms sometimes that are so radical that they change and they shift our thinking and they shift our life. And, and things will never get back to normal as we knew, knew them, but there will come a new normal. And in that new normal will come a new peace. And in that new peace will come a new joy. And in that new joy will come a new life. And that's the new normal. So if you don't quit, you can't lose. You Get in the boat Jesus is in. Realize he is in control of the storm. So this goes back to the power of Jesus, the authority that's been given unto Jesus. I didn't want to use John chapter 1, 1 through 4 because we've used it the last two weeks. And, and hopefully you know that by heart. You know, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. and The word was with God and everything was created. It was created in him and through him. Everything we know, you know, that John 1, 1 through 4. Let's look at a couple passages coming up on the screen. Ephesians 1, 18 through 22. Now remember, we're talking about Jesus being in control. <clears throat> the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Verse 22. And he put all things, not some things, not some storms, not, not some dysfunction, all things. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is in control of the storm, whether you're going through one right now or not. I want you to remember this. This is elementary to making it through the storm outside of making sure you get in the right boat You need to make sure that you remind yourself Daily, as the lightning is flashing and the thunder is crashing and the waves are coming over the side of the boat and you don't know why in the world what is happening is happening. You have to get it through and in your spirit that Jesus is in control. You grab that and you grab that hope and you don't let the enemy take it from you. Jesus is in control. I will make it. I'm going to make it through This fire and I'm going to come out on the other side. Am I going to be bruised? Yes. Am I going to be scratched? Yes. But I am going to make it because I am in the boat with the one who can speak to the storm. And when the time is right, he is going to speak to the storm and there will be a season of peace and prosperity and a new normal because he has been put above all things, all principalities, all power and dominion in this age and in the age to come and all things have been put under his feet. He is above all. He is all. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is in the storm with you. There are elements of the storm that you cannot control on your own. There are things you can you can put yourself in that kayak and you can paddle and paddle until you're so tired and isolated that the enemy has you right where he wants you. You get in the boat with Jesus and you refuse to get out of that boat. There are elements of the storm that you cannot control. You focus your attention on Jesus and you grab him and you hold him and you let him love you through the storm. And and I'm telling you, you're going to make it. Get it through your heart. Get it in your spirit. You're an overcomer because he's an overcomer. Amen. Jesus is in control of the storm because he's been given all authority. He, he's been given all authority. Every Every name. Under heaven and earth. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everything that has a name will bow at the name of Jesus. Wow. You need to hear that today. He's in control. Last thing. The storm will cause a new revelation of Christ in you. I don't know if you remember a few, you know, we did the death to self series and I preached a, a, a message called, it was dying to self, death to self equals intimacy with Christ. You guys remember that? And it was, it was essentially the idea of there are times and things that we will go through in our life that we know that only Jesus can get us through. Yes, he puts friends around us and yes, he helps people speak into our life, but there's a closeness and there's, there's just this you and God. There's these you and God moments. And, and that's what happens in the storms of life. You know, two things happen. Two things happen when we go through storms in life. We get bitter and run, or we get better and keep going. We get bitter, or we get better, and it's a, it's a choice. It's a daily choice that we make, and the only way we can make that choice is by hanging on to Jesus. Because the longer you hang on, the more He's going to hold you, and the more He holds you, the more you're going to know Him. The more you're going to know, the more you get to know Him. The more you're going to look forward to meeting Him and realizing that this is not all there is to it. Bible says, "Weeping." will endure for the night but joy will come in the morning at some point the new normal now watch this i've read this story from the time i was in sunday school and then all the time i've been in ministry i, I can't tell you how many times i've read this story i haven't preached out of this text in three or four years but it's been forever i mean it, it, i've never seen what I'm, what I'm about to show you so don't miss this i've never seen this mark 4 43 41 But he, Jesus, said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Hey, guys, why are you so scared? You know, some people have a boat big enough to name it. I don't think your boat should have to be big to be named. I named my John boat. I will not tell you the name of it. But it had a name. And if this boat had a name... It, it should have been called flailing, fearful disciples. No, really, it should have just been called humans. And Jesus say, hey, why, why, are you so, why are you so scared? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then verse, verse 41 says, and they feared exceedingly. Now, I don't know if that fear is still left over from the storm I don't know if that fear is a reverence and awe of what they just watched or if that fear is because Jesus is now looking at them going, Dave, why'd you wake me up? But this is what I want to focus on, a, a new revelation of Christ. And said to one another, Hey, man, who can this be? That even the wind and the sea obey him. I said, we're in Mark chapter 4. The guy's already been dropped through the roof. Remember in chapter 2, the paralytic, he's been healed. They've watched Jesus do miracles. They know he's the Messiah. What happens in this moment? He exceeds the expectation of the day of what the Messiah came to do. In that moment, he becomes more than just the Messiah who's going to deliver the people of God from oppression. He becomes the Messiah, not for the future and for everlasting. He becomes the Messiah and the Lord and the Savior in the moment, in the storm. He far exceeds their expectations. He, they knew. its It's not a rhetorical question about who is this who can speak. Who is this? No, no. They knew who he was. They knew he was the Messiah. What they're saying now is, this guy, this joker, just blew my mind. He just blew my mind because this boat was definitely sinking. He just blew my mind because I've never been in a storm like this, and now I've got peace. Because he spoke. Because I know he's with me. He just... He he far exceeded their expectation of who they expected him to be. They were looking for him to deliver the people of Israel, the people of God, and to set up a kingdom. They didn't get it. And he shows them, no, it's not only for then. It's for now. I am in the boat with you now. I am right beside you now. I am speaking. I am in control of the storm now. You can let go and let me be God now because I've got places for you to go and you can't let this storm stop you. Wow. They weren't saying, hey, who can this be? Like, we don't know who this is. They were saying, dude, did you just... Wow. And here's the amazing thing. You watch people... You watch people who who have been through storms in life and I mean storms and they're older and they're in a place where they can talk about them. There's such a character about that person and there's such a depth of a revelation of who Christ is to them because of what they've been through. And he's not just a get out of hell free card to them. He is the friend of that sticks closer than a brother. He, he's the, the one that walks alongside, that carries us when we can't walk. So the storms of life, you know, you got to follow his purpose and trust that he's going to lead you. The storms of life will make you choose a boat. They'll make you ask the question: sometimes, does he even care? The storms of life will will put you in in a predicament of of which you know which way should I, I really really go here the storms of life will give you the opportunity to have the faith enough to say Jesus you're in control of the storm and then it's going to bring such a revelation of who Christ really is to you not not to anyone else but to you you're in a storm today hang on he's in control of it this last verse that's coming on the screen right now revelation twenty-two thirteen. 13 i am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end the first and the last jesus is saying i am in control i was i am i am to come hang on hang on we get home soon hang in there this is not our home. We're just passing through. Hang on. He's saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Jesus came to this earth and he came to live a sinless life and to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life and so that we could be restored back to God to a rightful relationship that we were created for. But so many instances throughout his life, such as this, he's teaching us along the way that, hey, I just didn't come to live and die so, so that you would be ushered into heaven. Yes, I, that needed to happen. But there's so many instances throughout the Bible where it's, hey, I want to be a part of your everyday life. I want to be in the storm. I want, to, I want to come and eat with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to be with you. And he teaches us that all through the Bible. And I've got a question for you right now. The only way that you experience that is through inviting him into your life. We use the word salvation and hear the word salvation a lot in the church. And and a lot of people say, what's that mean? mean, To be saved. What are you talking about? Saved from what? Saved from an eternity away from God. How do I do that? The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and, and he was resurrected from the grave, you'd be saved. It's a belief. It's a faith factor. Romans, remember Romans says that we have peace with God through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way you can be at peace with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. It's very plain. Very, very plain. There's no diluting that one down or, or twisting those words. That If you believe the Bible, we are at peace with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, we live in a world where the culture is pushing against that so hard. Oh, well, if you believe... Uh, if you believe no. The only way to be at peace with God is through putting your faith in Jesus Christ. If you believe the Bible which we do here at Coastline. That's what the Bible says. Have you done that? Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're here today and you've not done that. What a great day to do that. Get in the boat with Jesus today. Would you bow your head? No one's moving around unless you have to. Say, Jason, that's me. I can't point to a moment in time. Where I've ever accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I can't point to a moment in time where I've invited Christ into my heart. What a great day to do that. And I tell you, last, last service, so sweet, we dedicated two children, and then to watch God move at the end of that service, and people give their heart to the Lord. What a beautiful thing. So if that's you and you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm tired of paddling in that kayak alone. I'm tired of the cold, cold water hitting me in the face and the wind blowing against me. I'm tired of that. I'm so tired of that. I'm ready to just let go and let God have the circumstance and situation of this storm. I-, I want him to have my life. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and put it right back down? I see your hand. You just put it right back down. Anyone else? I need Jesus Christ in my life. I, need to, I'm, I want to give my heart to Jesus today. I need to be saved. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're online and you need to make that decision. Get on our website and go to Starting Point. There's a seven-day devotion. Email us and we'll get back with you. But if you, you raised your hand or you're online watching, you need to, I want to pray with you right now. Pray this prayer right where you're sitting because it's between you and God. Father, right now I come to you and I put my faith in you. I put my faith in Jesus. And I'm confessing in my heart that I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. I believe that Jesus Christ took my death and sin on the cross. I believe that Jesus Christ was placed in the grave. And I believe he rose from that grave on the third day. And right now, I am accepting. Right now, at this very moment, God, your forgiveness. Through the person of Jesus. Lord, and right now through the work of the cross, thank you that your love and your grace and your mercy are flooding my soul. Lord, that angels are rejoicing and I'm being made into a new creation. We worship you for that today, God. God, give me the boldness to go up to the table or the tent or get online and get that seven-day devotion in a Bible and put people around me to help me in this new decision. But most of all, thank you for your grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.